Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smash Pop. Hello and welcome to another Smash Side special on SmashPod, hosted by me, John Rain. These will sometimes appear on the odd occasion that something mildly related to Bond will need, yes, need, to be discussed. This week, my guest is the man behind the absolutely wonderful big field on BBC Three, Darren Dutton. He can be found on Twitter as at Darren underscore Dutton. If you haven't seen any big field, you really should. It's basically Mr. Scruff meets the running, jumping, standing steel film. I mean, what sounds better than that? In fact, series two has just started. Darren and I this week will be talking about the flaming headless chicken. That is the 1967 version of Casino Royale. Let's do this. Could you move over a bit? You're lying on my loose change. James, I need you. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I can understand that, my dear. I can understand that. I want to know you better. You're absolutely right. My goodness, this is strong shampoo. It really is. Darren, mm. welcome. Hello. Welcome, welcome to how a Smash Side special. I'm very well. How are you? Good. Yes, very good. Very good. So we're going to talk about James Bond, aren't we? Yeah, well, more than one James Bond. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, no. Lots yeah. of different Bonds. Lots of different Bonds. Uh, a film that is very, very confusing. Yeah. Agree? I would agree. Uh, a film that is quite tiresome. Very tiresome. <laughs> I'm so glad I chose this film to discuss with you. Yeah. Uh, possibly the worst uh, Bond film, or, or film, yeah. in fact. It took me a few sittings. Mm. Well, I hadn't watched it for a long time. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh, some of it was funny. I remember thinking, oh, yeah, maybe I'll do Casino Royale because there are some funny bits. Yeah. And um, there there are a couple, but for a film that's like over two hours, there are are few and far between. Well, this is the thing, because it's got, I don't know if you knew, but you probably saw in the titles, but it's got six directors. Yes. Well, five and a half, because <laughs> Val Guest was brought in to basically assemble all the shit yeah. they'd done yeah. and stitch it together into a coherent film. Yeah. And and there's a lot of stuff that could have gone. 
Yeah. I mean, you can tell really because all there's so many different sort of styles and sequences in it. Mm. I don't think we can really view the film as a whole film. I think you have to kind of look at the sequences. Yeah, because it's such a you, you can't really follow it. I no. anyway. No, and it wasn't a narrative. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being stupid, John. But I just couldn't fathom out what was going on. No, I'm the same. I'm the same. At some points, I had to stop and think. Hang on, why are we here? Like the sequence where, um, you know, after the beginning where they go and see Bond and he's, uh, it's David Niven as Bond. Yeah. And he's inexplicably, um, he's got some lions. Yes. Are just there. And then yeah. when they get there, he's in this kind of sex machine. <laughs> it's like yes. a, a body sex machine thing. He's sort of going up and down. And then um, th- they, they basically say to him, we want you to come back and join the service, but they don't really explain why. Mm. And then blow his house up. And then M, who's come to see him and presumably has ordered them to blow his house up, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) It took me a few minutes to realise that's who they were talking about. Well, to be honest, I had to read the plot summary after watching the film because I just was like, I I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. It was just not very clear at all. And then when he goes to see uh, Deborah Kerr, who's pretending to be M's widow, Mm -hmm. I think. And she's, yeah. she's sitting there doing this, like, I've just put it here, it's like he's gone to visit the estate of a, the, a young Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> she's kind of like, oh, wee, hee, 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 hee. I thought, what yeah. is going on? They needed some training with those accents. They did. Um, yeah. But, but the, the thing is, what gets me about the whole film is that it's got a brilliant cast. Yeah. It should be, in theory... A brilliant film. Yeah. Because you've got Peter Sellers. Yeah. Um, sort of pretty much at the top of his game, really. Mid sixties. You've got Orson Welles, who was doing fairly sporadic film performances at that point, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, and then you've got loads of kind of um sort of uh British comedy actors like John LeMessure, um Peter Butterworth. I think I think it was Peter Butterworth. I haven't seen him credited him, but it looked like him. Uh, Ronnie Corbett, uh, Bernard Cribbins, Bert Quark, lots of these kind of, uh, kind of, you know, bit part players in things like Hancock and Milligan and things yeah. like that. Uh, so it's kind of like a fascinating curiosity. Mm. But um, yeah, as I say, I think it, it should be in theory a good film. But yeah, why is it so bad? It's I, so think, I think the secret is what I was reading today and what I have read in the past, because I've read Seller's biography. Ah. It's basically due to him that it's gone bad. Right. Because right. he didn't want to work with Orson Welles for various reasons that people are not quite sure about. And so quite a few of the scenes with Orson Welles are shot separately. Well, there's only one scene, isn't there, with him and... Yeah. Uh, and, and I noticed, I was watching for it, I was thinking, um, you know... Is he actually, are they looking at each other? Are the eye lines matching and all that kind of stuff? Mm. And are there any shots with them together? And there are. Because there, there is one where he stands up, doesn't he, at the table? Yeah, there's a wide shot of mm. them. Because um, I was kind of led to believe that they didn't even meet in the studio. It was yeah. all thought separately. But um, yeah, and that's probably one of the better scenes. As well. It is, definitely. Because it's, it's, it's kind of one of the only main scenes in the film that's from the book. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that whole plot of him and the Shifra is obviously from the book. Apart from him not being James Bond and not being someone called Evelyn Tremble. Yes, but I think what happened is is the sellers basically down tools always sacked one of the two, 
Yeah. And then they were they spent so much money because I was reading this was twelve million dollars in nineteen sixty seven. It was only supposed to be six million. Yeah. And um, so I think they had to just basically go right. Well, we'll have to make a film of it. So I think that's when they brought in David Niven. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And then had to come up with this idea of there being multi- multiple James Bonds. I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I suppose it's like when um, that uh, guy died in the Dark Knight. Um, Heath that, Ledger. Heath Ledger, that's the fellow. Yeah, Oliver uh, Reed in with that, Yeah, like the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus when they had to oh, kind yeah. of completely rejig that film to make, you know, to make the film. Except Sellers wasn't dead, he was just being an arsehole. Just being an arsehole. <laughs> and um, obviously uh, the... The Imagineer and Dr. Panassas didn't lose Arthur Mullard like Casino Royale did. Uh, and it, it's, it is worth for it. Absolutely. <laughs> It'd be beautiful if like um, Heath Ledger steps through that mirror and that beautifully poignant scene comes out the other side as Arthur Mullard. <laughs> oh, he's lovely. Will your listeners understand who Arthur Mullard is? They've is been, my question. They've point. been with me on the buses. So Arthur Mullard was in one of the on the buses films. So. Right. Ooh, okay. Right, well, there we go. Yeah, perfect. The circle is complete. <laughs> um, uh, I just don't, I don't understand. I, I didn't understand why they had to blow up his house and why M was killed doing it. No. Um, I, well, there's, there's lots of this film you could say that about. Mm. Kind of why, why was this? I felt like um, I was missing out on something. I felt like, I wonder if the original cinema audiences were, were invited to take drugs in with the cinema with them. It feels like the, it. Because they to appreciate it a bit more because it was just, I just felt a bit left out. You know, that whole sequence and sort of the aquarium bit with uh, Ursula Andress and Peter Sellers. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a bit mad. And when when he actually gets drugged, mm. that, that, that kind of weird dream sequence that he has, which is really good, but at the same time, it's kind of, what? It's the one where he's playing her as a piano and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, I think that's just all in, uh, assembled from outtakes because he'd fucked off and they had to put stuff in there. Right. I think that was just him mucking about. Yeah. But it's very yeah. strange. And also, something that bothered me is that David Niven at the beginning, they obviously thought it would be really funny that he had a stutter and then suddenly loses the stutter, but it's just, yeah. it's just weird. Yeah. Because uh, it starts off with him stuttering, and then later on in it, he says something to Money, money Pace Junior. Yeah, he says, "So oh, you know, if I have a stutter, please, please let me know." Mm. And then he doesn't have one again. It's very just before he orders her to go and shag loads of men. <laughs> I don't know if she took that too literally. Again, I couldn't work it mm. out. I don't know if he was saying no. go and do some paperwork, and she just thought, "Oh, I'll just go and shag some blokes." Yeah. She's easily done. I've done that before. Well, we've all done that. We've all been there. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the time of the film as well, 67. So mm. there's kind of quite a few sort of meandering films like this around. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen Skidoo. No. Skidoo is uh, an American film, 1968, I think. Uh, it's very much like this. It's kind of very loose. Um, and it's kind of quite drugs orientated. Um, you say drugs or jugs? Well, drugs and jugs are the perfect combination. Nice. Um, certainly in in this, I, there are quite a number of jugs in this in this film. Oh yeah, so, I mean they're all you know nicely presented and covered up. But yeah, it's all tasteful, very tasteful. Mm. Um, and Derek Nimmo. And Derek Nimmo. Yeah, I've just written Nimmo down in my notes. Nimmo. Yeah. 
Just put, you can't have a sky, a sky, you can't have a spy film without the gravitas of Derek Nimmo. No. He lifts every scene. <laughs> well, the, the, the only person that saves the film for me is Woody Allen. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan, obviously, anyway. Hmm. But I find his bits really funny. I, yeah, I did. But it felt to me, I might be wrong, because I don't know Woody Allen as well as many other people, but it felt to me like he was, I don't know, it felt like he was reading lines someone not very funny had read, uh, written, sorry, and doing yeah. a good job with them. But I felt that maybe he could have done better. It just felt like they weren't his gags. I don't know, because I read somewhere as well that amongst all the people who wrote the screenplay, it's about two or three people that wrote the screenplay. Yeah, Billy Wilder was one of them, apparently. Billy Wilder, uh, Wolf Mankiewicz. Yeah. Um, Terry Southern. Terry Southern, yeah. And uh, I heard as well that Woody Allen did his own dialogue. Christ. Which, there's some of it that is quite Woody-esque in terms of the kind of uh, neurotic sort of New York thing that he has. The firing squad bit feels very him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very visual as well. It's it's like his early silly films like Bananas and Mm. Take the Money and Run and things. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I liked him, but I also liked, um, was it what she called, Mater Bond? Yes. Uh, uh, David Niven's supposed daughter. Well, she was pretty good. Uh, Her whole section with Ronnie Corbett and... Mrs. Yeah. Mrs. Monroe from Grange Hill. That was very good. <laughs> so Anna Quayle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the other thing. You know, Ronnie Corbett in a film with Orson Welles. Yeah. That, that again, strikes me as, you know, this, this, this film is interesting just for that fact. I like the fact that um, Orson Welles was kind of like the um, prim- primordial, um, I've forgotten his name, Marlon Brando. Yes. Because if you notice in this, I don't think you actually see Orson Welles stand up at all. No. He's sat down and everything. Even the bit where he's torturing Bond, he's in like a little pod with a telescope. He looks very, um, very large. Maybe his legs weren't able to support him. Uh, He was rather portly. I've written down that he looks like a small planet. (laughs) Awesome. There's also a scene in this where I just thought to myself, have they done loads of coke? Because again, we're jumping around, but going back to the bit where Sellers and Andres go back to her flat and we have the look yeah. of love and everything, which is a nice scene. And yeah, then suddenly she's like, well, yeah. Want, yeah, she's like, do you want to dress up? Yeah. And then you get this really weird bit. And then suddenly she's dancing in slow motion and he's doing push-ups. <laughs> and I thought, have they both just done loads of coke? <laughs> well, that would make sense. Because uh, uh, why, why on earth would you just get down and go, I'm going to do 30 push-ups now. <laughs> I've just done a bag think, of coke. I think everyone's just done drugs on this film, yeah. to be honest. Everybody. What, even the Bernard Cribbins? Directors, the editor. I think it's, it's one big party. Bernard Cribbins wouldn't do drugs. Doesn't make any sense. Whatever. What, old, old Jack doing drugs? <laughs> that wouldn't happen. Mm. Um, so I managed to pick this film up for 50 pence. Did you? Yeah. That's a good deal. Do you think? It's why I paid 10 pounds for mine. What? Because it's a double box set with Never Say Never Again. Oh, right. So I'm probably, I'm probably paying 9.50 for Never Say Never Again. There is a version of available with the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is like the, the CD soundtrack or the vinyl soundtrack, whichever, is supposed to be amazing. It's very good sound. I've got the CD of the soundtrack. Yeah. It's excellent. It's the best thing about the whole film. Yeah. What's your view on 
um, Herb Alpert's Chihuahua Brass. I like them. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. They did a great version of um, This Guy's In Love With You. Yeah. Um, I find their music very relaxing. I can, I find I can... Um, Masturbate to it. Yeah, well, I was going to say intercourse, but, uh, you know, either way. One or the other. <laughs> it's, it's all the same to me. Um, so, As I believe David Bowie once said. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, 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 the, 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 I, I was going to say, when you said the, the, the star of the show was um, Woody Allen, I was going to say the star of the show is the soundtrack, I thought. Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even, even the bits where this film goes... Fucking mental, and there's a few of them. The soundtrack is still good. Yes, like when David Niven's being chased by a robot milk float full of bombs. <laughs> People listening to this who haven't seen the film would just think you're making that up. Yeah, yeah, well, I would, I would have thought that yesterday because I've I seen this film in bits. It's one of those films that was on telly a lot. Yeah, um, and I usually like see a bit of it and then think, oh no, no thanks. Yeah. So yeah. last night it was the first time I'd watched it in one part. Yes, and uh, I'd forgotten a lot of it and remembered bits that weren't in it. Right. Uh, so yeah, and that bit was one of the ones I hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen or hadn't remembered with David Niven and his stupid car being chased. Yeah, and also yeah. David Niven in every scene, if I'm not wrong, in every scene, like he'll walk off to do something and then he'll come back in a completely different costume. Yeah. And I'm sure that's a joke, but it's a bit of a weird one. Well, there's, there is there is an interesting essay. I don't know if you came across it in your research. Probably not. An interesting essay, um, which basically argues that this film is postmodern and meta, mm. uh, and it's kind of predicting the way that the Bond franchise would go. Um, and it's not just a, a tiresome two-hour film. It's actually quite intelligent. Well, there is the bit at the beginning where Roger... Uh, sorry, Roger Moore. I keep wanting to say Roger Moore. Where David mm. Niven um, effectively retires from being James Bond because he, lo- he lost a lady he loved. Yes. That is something where Daniel Craig's Bond might well go. But anyway, back to this one, which is very yeah. silly. Yes. Um, very, very silly. Very colourful. Very colourful. Oh, yeah, actually, it looks very pretty. It does. Uh, there's some nice cinematography in it, particularly at the start when you, you know, at, um, at Niven's house at the start. Yeah. That's all quite nicely shot. I think that's John Huston. Yeah, yeah. I think I was reading today that the, the different directors did different bits and Huston did David Niven at the beginning in, the co- in his house and then yeah. all the Scottish stuff. Yeah. Which is weird. Like when he gets in the bath with that girl, that's a bit weird. Yeah. And he says, how old are you? And she says, I'm 17. He should, yeah. What you should say is... Right, well, I'm terminating this bar because <laughs> you are underage. Well, you know, it was 1967. Different times time. were different then. Mm. You know, you know, they could all get into baths with young girls at that point. You oh, remember? Yeah, I do remember. I don't, I don't remember. I wasn't around then. That was a lie. No. <laughs> but then there's that bit where Deborah Kerr tries to seduce him. Yes. Okay. And then she says, right, well, you've got to pee the paper. That's right, yeah. He's like, what? And then he has to go downstairs. And then there's this mesmerizingly bizarre bit where there's these three bulky men trying to carry cannonballs. Yes. And one of them, I think, is Peter Butterworth. No. Yes. Yeah, you need to have another look at it. I think one of them is Peter Butterworth. Wouldn't he have been too old in 1967, wouldn't he? Nah. Peter Butterworth? Yeah. Yeah. He was in his... 30s, 40s at that point. You know someone, because the Smash podcast crowd 
yeah. are, are very clever people. They've they've picked me up on quite a few things. So your life's right. gonna be hell. Okay. If you're wrong, I mean. Oh Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I've already given your Twitter handle away, so Oh shit. Yeah. Woe betide you for <laughs> casting aspersions on the Butterworth. I'm just gonna get lots of anti I'm gonna get lots of hate about the Connery, not seeing any Connery bonds. Yeah. And you're gonna come out of your house like next week <laughs> and then Tyler Butterworth's gonna jump out of a bush, <laughs> slice your face <laughs> saying his dad was in this film. Oh Jesus no. So my dad's done some shit, right? But <laughs> Well, well, yeah, I think I've written in my notes as well, carry on Bond. Yeah, uh, this feels like a spoof Bond, carry it, on Bond. Yeah, I mean, carry on spying, when was that? That was a little bit before this, that wasn't was before it? this, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of reminded me a little bit of that. I actually, this will, people will hate me for saying this, but I actually preferred this to carry on spying. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's more fun. Yeah, uh, it's more interesting, I think. And there's uh, got some jokes in this that, like, for instance, getting in a cab and going, yeah. oh, and then saying Berlin, and him saying east or west. Yeah. And she says west, and he says good because I won't go east. Yeah. Something like that. I thought that was quite a funny joke. The cab, cabby would just drive you to Berlin. My favourite line or joke in it was when Peter Sellers got drugged, and he says, "This is the worst shampoo I've ever had," and he was drinking champagne. He yeah. said shampoo instead of champagne. Yeah. And that made me chuckle. I liked the very first joke in the whole film, oh. where he meets um, his contact in the toilet in Paris, oh, and yes. he says, uh, "He says these are my credentials." Yes, he says they're very impressive. <laughs> yes, I it's did a like that frame shot for that gag. Yeah, and I thought, oh, this might be quite good. Yeah, but by the end, by the end, my actually my notes are very very accurately reflect this film because my first page. Cool. It's literally like little bits I've spotted, you know. And then yeah. I, 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 this sound effect of me turning to the second page. Oh, I also have to mention before we move on that this is the only Bond film I can think of where James Bond does an impression of an Indi- Indi- Indian man and a China man. <laughs> you can rely on Peter Sellers for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, because I obviously didn't remember, but I was thinking he's definitely going to do the Indian. That's, that's That goes without saying, because he was obsessed. Yeah as he was yeah. with dressing as Hitler, which he managed to get in here as well. <laughs> and then the Chinaman, I just thought, bloody hell. But then my second page of notes, I've literally just written one word with question marks. I've written a UFO. Yeah. Um, and then I've written, um, Woody Allen is effectively playing Lex Luthor from Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of him very much. And I've put two sea lions fighting, Frankenstein, mm. a chimp in a wig, <laughs> flying roulette wheel cowboys and indians these are a few of my favorite yeah I, I mean just when you're thinking what the fuck so when you, because there's that joke about the americans are coming so cowboys turn up like ha 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 very good yeah and the yeah. indians turn up and they've all got 007 written on their head yeah that um, whole sequence reminded me of um the much later um blazing saddles mm. When they all pour in at the end. Yeah, but that, at least that's got some sort of context that they've invaded yeah. a musical number. This is just yeah. fucking weird. <laughs> Who on earth thought, right, I think we'll have cowboys fighting there, some Red Indians coming, and could we get two sea lions to hit each <laughs> other, please? Well, maybe they were just hanging around the studio. They were mm. in another film. They just happened to be around. Blue Peter. The, the film was so loose yeah. that they could just like cram these things in loose jesus christ you get a sausage factory up here <laughs> um 
But yeah, the flying roulette wheel that's kind of shooting out bubbles. And it's just like you say, there's just some serious drug taking going on here, surely. I, so, I think so. I mean, this this film, the end of this, the last half an hour of this film makes the, the monkey's film head seem like... Oh, which is fantastic. I wish I'd watched that instead. Yeah. That is, but that, that, that has been accused in the past of lacking cohesiveness. Yeah, I think there's a lot of these films where, you know, the individual sequences are probably better than the film themselves. They don't hang together as a film, but there's like nice little sequences in it. And I think Head's the same. It's got lots of nice yeah. little bits in it. Um, but to sit and watch it for an hour and a half, two hours is definitely a test. But has it got a chimp in a wig? Um, no, but it has Mickey Dolenz. Yeah, which is kind of the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did, as a young man, he did look a bit like a monkey. Yeah. Well, there we go. Then. Whereas now he looks like an, a beautiful elder, uh, older man. With a hat. With a hat. He's one of those people that, um, much like The Edge and, <laughs> and the drummer from The Hollies, it's like, yeah. I, you, you look at him and you think, wonder why he wears a hat. Yeah. Although at least that's what he wants you to think. Yeah. Whereas really, you know, where he's bald, isn't he? So he's, Yeah. Yeah. What would you do? Because I know you've got a fine head of hair. I do have a fine. Thank you. That's right. That's right. It's beautiful. Um, it's luscious, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> do you use Timothy? Um... um I, I have in the past, oh, there you uh, go. but not since not since uh, the incident. Yeah. Um, what, what did you ask me? Uh, I was going to I was going to ask you actually um, if you did lose your hair. Oh, that's right. Yes. Would you wear a hat or would you just go with it? I, I think I'd probably just go with it. Hmm. I'd probably go with it. I, I'd probably grow a beard. So that I had a, yeah, and then try in some way make my face upside down mm. so that I could walk upside down and people might think I had a head of hair because like, it was a bit. It's not really, it probably wouldn't work. Well, the interesting thing to see. Be, <laughs> I'm going to try it. I always felt sorry for the drummer from the Hollies because he was there. He was in this like little Mancunian beat combo band. And then mm. suddenly they embraced the hippie movement. And it was at that point <laughs> that his hair all fell out. <laughs> yeah. That must have been horrible. Yeah. And not only did it fall out, but he tried to grow it and got a real kind of Bobby Charlton <laughs> thing. Poor him. I wonder if there was a lot of those sort of 60s acts who, you know, at that point had really lovely hair and they used to cut bits of hair off to send to the fans and things. And then later on in the, a few years, sort of got in touch with the fans to ask for it back. Yeah. I reckon that happened. I reckon somewhere there's like a a rock and roll version of Jurassic Park where they're trying to recreate their hair from the, <laughs> the, from the dead mosquitoes. Yeah. Welcome to the drummer from Holly's Park. <laughs> that would be quite beautiful. Um, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But yeah, there's the, the, going back, there's a, the weird, because obviously Peter Sellers exited the project. So there's the scene where he is being tortured and you're thinking, oh, this is interesting. And then he's abruptly killed because they obviously yeah. didn't have him anymore. Yes. Yes. And then there's a Peter O'Toole um, cameo, which is funny, but weird. Yeah, I remember seeing, um, uh, I had a VHS long time ago, which was just called The Best of Peter Sellers. All right. And it was like an hour long and it was just like clips from the Pink Panther and uh, and some of his earlier stuff. And it had that sequence in. Mm. That's it. That up until that time, that was the only bit I'd seen. So yeah, I it had the potential to be amusing because that scene is quite funny. It is, but um, yeah, obviously they got to that point where they couldn't have him anymore because he'd left. Mm. So they, there's a bit where you see Ursula Andress, who, by the way, in this you can understand why she was dubbed in Doctor No. Yeah, she can barely understand what she says. But anyway, um, she shoots him, and then you see a, a, a wide shot. And it's clearly like an earlier scene they've paused. Yeah. And it's a bit, it's a bit strange. You wonder, how did they manage the fin- to finish the film at all, really? Well, it just feels like they just kept writing. They thought they'd write their way out of it because there's so many bits in this. You just think, why is this in here? And then you think, oh, okay, they're trying to tie this up. Yeah. Like when he goes to see his daughter and you get that whole sequence of her doing um, Indian dancing. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, she's a terrible dancer, but could be a great spy. So they obviously thought, well, let's have a bit showing her dancing. It's like, well, you don't need to really. Um, You wonder what got cut out of the film. What was so bad that he didn't make it in? Yeah. Well, Arthur Mullard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm on the cutting room floor. (laughs) Terrible. Poor old Arthur. Yeah, I feel sorry for what I don't, obviously, because of no. what, what we subsequently learned about him. But yeah, I just, I can't help. I keep revisiting the fact that John Houston is him, orders yeah. them to blow up Bond's house and then, and then is then killed. Yes. I'm sorry to keep talking about it, but it just seems like, why would you write that? <laughs> why yeah. would you have, well, unless he had some sort of terminal illness. Yeah. And that's right at the beginning, isn't it? Right at the beginning. That's the first thing, yeah. And he keeps doing that accent. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, it's it's interesting because of Peter Sellers as well. I'm a mm. big Peter Sellers fan. And I think by that time, though, he'd had his first heart attack. And I think after that, he did start to go a little bit strange. Yeah. I heard all sorts of stories where he wouldn't go on set if there was the colour green and things like that. And he, uh, he, he'd ask God... Because there's that famous yeah. story with Blake Edwards, isn't there, where he says, yeah. um, uh, I'm not going to do it that way because I asked God and he said it wasn't very funny. And then Blake Edwards says, next time you speak to God, tell him to stay out of show business. 
Hey, she's very good. But I read yeah. today that as late of two, as late as two thousand and eleven, the film was still making money for the estate of Peter Sellers, who he negotiated an extraordinary three percent of the gross profits, which is an estimated one hundred and twenty million pounds. Wow! And the proceeds are currently going to Cassie Unger, the daughter and sole heir of his uh, fortune, and is the, the daughter of his fourth wife, Lynn Frederick. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Lynn took everything, I think. Yeah, and then she died. And then she died. After being married to David Frost. Was she? Yeah. Wow. David, hello, good evening. <laughs> that, was, that was Arthur Mullard again, sorry. <laughs> oh, I miss Arthur. But there's, good, there's a good stat about the budget here that I picked up today as well. The studio approved a production budget of $6 million, which in 1966 was huge. However, yeah. during filming, the project ran into several problems, as we know, and the final completed budget was twelve million, which made it the most expe- one of the most expensive films to be made. The previous Eon official bomb film, Thunderball, which was a massive deal because it was loads of underwater filming, eleven yeah. million dollars. So right. Thunderball cost less than Casino Royale. Wow. Yeah, and it was jokingly referred to as the Runaway Cleopatra. <laughs> well. I, have you ever come across any films that have been directed by so many people? No. Yeah, that's got a. This is always got... the one that leaps to mind when you think of, um, you know, like replacing directors because you occasionally get directors replaced. Yeah. And uh, but you don't really hear about it till afterwards, or they yeah. take their name off of it and put in Alan Smithy or something. Yeah. Because uh, Seller's last film, obviously, we're talking about him being mad, but his last film, the Fu Manchu, yeah, he sacked. Piers Haggard and took over directing. But right. Piers Haggard's name's still on it. Because right. I guess I, he must have done a certain percentage. But yeah, it's interesting because you've got um, John Huston, obviously, mm-hmm. but then you've got Joe McGrath as well. Yeah. At that time, wasn't he, I might be wrong, but I thought he was just a TV comedy director. I think so, yeah, but he was a mate of Sellers. He's a mate of Sellers. Yeah, yeah. I was reading today that Joe McGrath did basically all of the Sellers scenes. Right. So again, it must have been him saying, Look, I'll only do it if you get Joe McGrath. Yeah. And Joe will just let me do whatever I want to do. Basically, that's what He'll seems to have happened. He'll let me dress up as Hitler and Toulouse Lautrec again, you know, which I do again in 10 years' time. <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. I mean, it's just, it just screams of indulgence, this film, in every possible avenue. Yeah. But I think that's, that's sort of. The the period that's that's there's a lot of films around that period, sort of sixty seven, sixty eight, sixty nine, that are a bit like this, that are very indulgent. Yeah. Um, like I said, Skidoo is one. Um, what's that one with the bikes? BMX Bandits. <laughs> that one. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it was terrible. That, yeah. yeah. Arthur Mullard was cut out of BMX Bandits. He was livid. <laughs> I look good on my BMX. Be a good name for a band, though. What? Arthur Mullard's BMX band. It would be a great name for a band. And if he wasn't dead, he'd probably be in it. <laughs> Did Sellers make any good films after sort of 1964, 65? Not really. There's not many. No, after the heart attack, it was kind of downhill from there, I think. It was, wasn't it? I mean, I think there's obviously the Pink Panther films. Yeah, but he kind of begrudgingly did them. Yeah. And then it became such a moneymaker that he carried on doing them, but he didn't like it no. as such. He, I think he yes. felt they were beneath him. And there's being there. That's, those are the only films that I can think of. He did loads of shine. We did Hoffman. That was good. 
Oh, I've not seen that. Oh, Hoffman's great. Right. Um, he did and, Spike Milligan in the seventies as well. Yeah, he did um, the Ghost of the Noonday Sun, which is dreadful. Yeah. Right, which Milligan was parachuted in to save, right? But because <laughs> because Sellers is so was so bonkers by that point, there was kind of beyond redemption. Yeah, and then they did the Great McGonagall. Yeah, which again is fine, but very strange. Hmm. But yeah, Sellers did loads of shit. I mean, he did. Um, oh God, he did that. Where does it hurt? And he did that. I love you, Alice B. Tolkus. Mm. Um, Optimus of Nine Elms. Have you seen that? Yeah, where he looks yeah. like Andrew Sachs. <laughs> no, it's that. At least it wasn't after my life. So. Yeah, and then uh, culminating in the Fu Manchu, which is dreadful. Yes, yes, really, really, really it's dreadful. Cool. Yeah, it's a shame, really. But again, it feels a bit like it's in RL because it's got lots of gags that either don't yeah. work or go on too long. Yeah, and this has got the bit where he goes to see Cat Weasel as Q. Yes. And uh, there's all these little pratfalls and little rubbish gags going on in the background. Yeah. Which, again, you, you just think any director would kind of be like, no, that doesn't work. The bit where the man's like, I'm going to chop all these bits of wood and I'm really tough and then I'm going to salute and accidentally chop myself and knock myself out. Mm. It's the sort of thing a six-year-old would do, you know? Yeah. My six-year-old has done that. Yeah, mine too. Well, <laughs> um, But um, on the whole, I would say that this is a... Interesting film mm. in the nicest possible way. I mean, it's not good. No. But it's not offensively bad. It's an interesting time capsule and it's yeah. literally like plugging yourself into 1967. Yeah, I would agree with you with that. And uh, I just, it's quite fascinating just with the people involved mm. to see, you know, that you could have that many good people in being. <laughs> it's such a terrible film. But there we go. Yeah. And as you say, there's a, there's a massively Excellent cast in here, like like you say, all the way from Olsen Wells down to, well, Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. Who's got a battery. Yes. And uh, Ronnie got... Corbett on a toilet at high speed, backwards, <laughs> kind of lives with you. <laughs> um, Bert Kwok. Yeah. He's in... This is his third time of being in a Bond film. Which other ones was he in? He's in Goldfinger for a minute, and yeah. he's in You Only Live Twice for a minute. Um... I think he was basically like a oriental looking man Stop. living in london yeah and so his probably his phone was red hot <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> but so on as a summary i'm gonna go with interesting you're gonna go with interesting interesting but terrible so moving that to one side big field big field how did big field come about uh how did big field come about um right Okay. Um, well, I, I kind of been doing lots of big fieldy type stuff for a long time. I've always kind of messed around with sound and re-edited sound and dubbed it, you know, lip synced mm-hmm. it stuff. And um, I kind of always, in the back of my mind, I always wanted to do something set in a field. And I think it was because of Python, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at sort of 70s comedy, BBC comedy, when they used to go on location, yeah. uh, Marty Feldman stuff as well, they did have this kind of beautiful countryside in it. Um, and, yeah, it, we, we kind of uh, made a little thing on YouTube where we just tried it out. Um, and then the BBC got interested and we, um, we were making another one at the point at, at that time. We were actually making another one for YouTube. Um, and then they commissioned us to do some. Uh, and so 
we had the first series on last year on BBC Three, and currently the new series is going out now. Yeah, and the third episode was out today, wasn't it? Or was third it yesterday? Episode, uh, was out uh, yesterday. Yesterday, that's right. Yes, and the fourth episode is going to be out this Friday, not Thursday. And how many are there in series two? There are ten uh, episodes in series two. Um, each one uh, is its own little self-contained sketch. Mm. So so far we've had we've had a bit of EastEnders, we've had uh, Naked Attraction, we've had Pointless. Yeah. Uh, there's some other ones coming up. We've got Judge Rinder coming up, which oh. I think people like that. That is quite amusing. Um, and what else? We've got um, some fairly obscure shows that people probably won't have seen. Um, We've done Davina McCall's uh, This Time Next Year. We've done that. Never uh, heard of that. No, that was an ITV show, a recent ITV show, hmm. uh, where um, somebody would come on and say, in this time next year, I'm going to lose six stone or whatever. And oh, then okay. you see them, you know, a year later. So we've done that. We've done a sort of version of that. We've done um, Go For It, uh, the Stephen Mulhern Saturday Night Crowd Pleaser. Uh, which, again, you've probably not seen. No, <laughs> no. I'm behind on the uh, ITV yeah. crowd, pleasers. Yeah, we, we yeah. Um, but we've also done I'm a Celebrity. Get me out of here. Lovely. Uh, uh, yeah, with with the, the your ensemble cast for series two. Yeah, it's, uh Yeah, we've got uh, Tony Way and Marit Lowood, uh, Evelyn Mark, Alison Ward, uh, Richard David Kane is in it. My friend Matthew Taylor. Uh, I appear a little bit. Yeah, you were Richard Osman, weren't you? I was Richard Osman, and I'm also um, Stephen Mulhern in oh. um, Go for It as well. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I, I think, as you know, I've been a fan of Bigfield for a while and uh, I'm really, really pleased that you, you're still doing it because I think it's fantastic. Thank you. And uh, I was very keen to um, help, you know, not help because that sounds very patronising because you don't need my help, but I was very keen to um, tell I'm everybody from- that listens to this how good it is. I'm very pleased to have your support and your help. It's no. very good. And if there is a Series 3, then I'm very much hoping that it <laughs> will happen. I hope so too. Mm. So um, everyone listening to this, please do go and watch uh, Big Field. It's on, it's on iPlayer, isn't it? Uh, it's not on iPlayer. It's oh. on the BBC Three website uh-huh. uh, and um, on the BBC Three YouTube channel and yes. their Facebook and their Twitter have it on as well. But no, it's not on the iPlayer. They, they. I don't know why it's not on the iPlayer. They just didn't put it on. It's because so. of your connections to Arthur Mullard, I imagine. Well, yeah. And I, you, because you're a black belt in Kama Sutra. <laughs> but anyway we'll watch Bigfield and uh, if you do watch Kiss in R.A. I'll do enjoy it because it is an interesting curio of yes. 1967 yes so we're at the point of the show where I'm going to ask you the smash quickfire questions so yes. number one who is the best Bond and what is the best Bond film okay I will go with Dalton mm-hmm. and Living Daylights <sighs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, who is the worst Bond? And what is the worst Bond film? Daniel Craig, Skyfall. You're going to get a lot of grief. You're going to get a lot of grief. Oh, this. no, no. It's, <laughs> it's boring. Okay. So who would you have as Bond next? Could we bring back Roger Moore as he is now? Yeah. Oh, like, he was in like Day of the Triffids, wasn't he? So. How old is he now? He's about 80, 80, 
Oh, he's getting on for 90 now, isn't he? He must nearly be 90, because he was 46 in 1973, so that's 44 years ago. Yeah. You do the math. Yeah, 89, I think that makes him. Excellent. That's very quick math. You've been hanging around with Rosman too long. (laughs) Um, So, right, Bond is full of stupid names like Money Penny, Small Bone, and Good Head. Yeah. So, off the top of your head, your best silly Bond lady name. Vaginal Thrush. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. You're doing really well in this. Uh, so, <laughs> give me your best. Be- start again. Give me your best Bond film title that you've just made up. Please, Academy Three. Back in training. <laughs> excellent, excellent. That's that's a really that would be a really good Bond film title. <laughs> it would smash the box office though, especially if it had nothing to do with the title, <laughs> which it might as well not be. If Quantum of Solace is anything to go by, anyway. So, a hypothetical fist fight takes place between Simon Templer, the Saint. And James Bond 007, who wins? Uh, Bond. Good. Well, Sir James Bond or Jimmy Bond or? I don't, it wouldn't be Jimmy Bond, would it? No, no. Yeah, probably out of all of those, James Bond, this, yeah, Sir James. Jimmy Bond no. just does cartoon burps. <laughs> uh, finally, you're stranded on an island with Sean Connery. George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, don't know why I'm saying it like that, and Daniel really? Craig. Hmm? that's brilliant I'm on an island with all those yeah oh fantastic but who do you elect as leader to devise your rescue attempt and if that fails who do you eat (laughs) Um, I'd probably put Roger Moore in charge I think Um, but who would I eat who uh, I don't know uh, I'm I'm just looking at the, thinking of the, like the skin complexions and which ones would kind of not be particularly nice. Uh, I'd avoid Craig, uh, I think. Um, I'd probably have to go with Connery. Yeah, it's a popular choice. Yeah, yeah, I think so because I think you know he's he's aged, and so you know the quality of the meat will be good and he wouldn't put up much of a fight now would he <laughs> really no no I mean the, the sight of you kind of coming out of the undergrowth with a hammer or something like that probably scare him to death I'd imagine <laughs> oh yeah that's what an image that is it is a beautiful image <laughs> uh, it would certainly keep me awake at night anyway but thank you very much for joining us this you're week. welcome it was wonderful to speak to you Thank you. You also. Yes. And um, I shall stay tuned in to the rest of this series of Big Field. And I very much hope there's a series three. I hope so too. And please, yes, do tune in on uh, generally Mondays and Thursdays. Um, I know this week is slightly different, but yes, generally Monday and Thursdays, apart from this week, which is Friday. Yeah, slightly different. Slightly different. Thank you very much, Darren. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.